I've been in an awesome series of revival and talking about revive, and I've been watching some of the stuff online and engaging with you guys, and it's so exciting, all the things you've been wrestling through. And then coming to, to a week of uh, prayer and fasting and praying on Thursday and then worship on Sunday. I mean, I don't even have to preach. God's already here. He's already doing stuff. But I've been asked to speak about revive our generosity. And I just went real quiet, right? Just, oh, man. Now, listen, I got to tell you, I have to tell you about a time I lied in church. Is that not horrible to say, like, as a pastor, and I was, I was a youth pastor, and I was in church, and I lied. And before you judge me, don't be telling you don't ever lie either. I know you, right? You just like me, right? But, but listen to this. I, at one point in my ministry, had an amazing opportunity to partner with a very large ministry. And this ministry was all over TV. And in fact, a couple of times we, they, they had like these events where they'd actually pack out what was like the ACC Center, the, the big hockey arena. They would pack out and bring in 27, 30,000 people to come and do church. And I got the opportunity to, to stand on that stage. I got the opportunity to speak once at one of those events. I got in pretty tight with this really big global ministry. And one day they invited my wife and I to go to Florida with them and to attend this event they were doing at a church. And here I, I'm just a little youth pastor pa- pastoring in, in Brampton, Ontario. And, and we got this little church, this little youth. I'm not even a senior pastor. Like, I got nothing. And they bring me to this, this place, to this, this event. And they walk me in and they put my wife and I at the very front row of this church. And we're like, okay, that's kind of weird. Like, we're, what are we doing here? And once we're there, they start putting people beside us and seating us in order. And the person beside me starts talking about how he just wrote his sixth book and, and how he's doing all this stuff. This other person on the other side of Amber starts talking to her about how they're on TBN and they're doing all this stuff on national TV. And they're like, what are you doing? We're like, we lead youth in, in Brampton, <laughs> right? right? Like, it's like these national level TV Christian superstars. Amber and I are sitting right beside them in the front row. And this place is a five or 6,000 person church and it's just packed with all of these heroes. And I'm like, why am I here? This is so awkward, right? Like, I don't deserve to sit in this seat of honor. Well, the, the ministry goes and it does its stuff. And, and what we found out was the whole reason why they were doing, I mean, not the whole reason, but what felt like the whole reason why they were doing that experience was because the, the ministry, the leader, wanted to raise money to purchase a jet so that he could do ministry. So he was going to call it Dove One. And I'm like, I'm like that's really cool, right? And, and so... They do their whole spiel, and at the end of the experience, he stands up and, and he says, I believe God wants to raise the money here tonight to do that. And so if there's anybody here who wants to give a $50,000 check, stand up. And I'm looking at my wife like, 50000 Who is going to? And two people stood up. I'm like, huh? oh boy, I'm in the wrong place. I can't even afford crystals for dinner. You know what I'm saying? Right? Right? I'm like, what am I doing? Crystal, uh, yeah, sorry, that's an American restaurant. It's disgusting, Okay. I should, shouldn't say that online, okay? We're t- we can't edit because it's live. Christmas is great. <laughs> if you like microwaved hamburgers. But anyways, um, <laughs> you lost sponsorship. I'm sorry, Pastor. <laughs> so someone's, two people stand up for 50000 He gets to 10000 $10,000. And he's doing this whole thing like where you got to stand. So, so he does 10000 If you're going to give $10,000, I want you to stand and come to the front. The entire front row stood. The entire front row. And Amber and I are like, oh, my goodness, what do we do? There's cameras because they're all proud of the front row. And this guy, 
were all the way down, like those guys here with that little hand camera, like they're running down. And like Amber and I are sitting, I'm like, oh my word, Amber, what are we going to do? $10,000. I'm like, I got nothing. He goes from 10000 to 5000 The entire front section, the whole floor is standing. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, basically at this point, he's like, he's looking at Amber and I. He's like, okay, like, what will you give, right? Like, what do you need? You're the only person. He drops him a thousand dollars. He drops him five thousand, a thousand dollars. And like, we're sitting because like, I got no money. I'm broke, y'all. I'm a youth pastor in Brampton, okay? Like, there's no money here, okay? I'm like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, he gets a five thousand, gets a one thousand. I said, Amber, we're just doing it. And I literally grabbed an envelope and walked up as the last person in the church and dropped an empty envelope in the offering. Y'all, I thought Jesus was going to come and hit me with lightning like right there, but I didn't know what to do. So I'm like, Jesus, I just lied on church, on TV, and I'm centered up because I'm the very last person to give an offering in this room. So anyone want to give $10,000? No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Y'all judging me. You do the same thing. No, it was so crazy, right? So crazy. Now, we're not going to do that today. But I want to talk about a spirit of generosity. I want to talk about, about, about God stirring something in us that, that puts us beyond our ability to bless others. I'm going to look at a scripture and a story found in the book of John, chapter 6, verses 5 to 14. And I'm going to, just out of honor, can we just stand all across the room? I know it's a little up, down, up, down, but it keeps you awake. Not that you can sleep with this worship in this church, but my church, y'all fall asleep. Again, we're online. i got to be careful. At this point, Jesus has just done a whole bunch of miracles, okay? He's just done a whole bunch of miracles. He's just done a whole bunch of teaching. He, he, he's taught them basically who he is. He's revealing himself in this moment. And this is where the story takes place. So, when, so Jesus actually, after doing all those, he goes and retreats and goes away because Jesus liked to, after doing ministry, spend time in prayer. Listen, if you think you can do it in your own flesh, Jesus needed to hang out with God before he could continue to do great things. We need to be caught in the presence of God. When Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. I just need to pause. Because we have this North American mindset of testing that it's a pass or fail, right? right? Like, and if you're like me in high school, I failed more than I passed, right? Like it, it, it was like a miracle I got out of that place, right? Like we have this concept that it's like a test. And we're like, oh, God's testing me. Like there's this pass and fail. But in the Hebrew concept of testing, it was actually the point of revealing, We didn't test to see whether or not you passed or failed. We test to reveal to you who you were or what needed to be taught. Big, big difference, right? You you go through your struggle, you're like, man, God is just testing me. I better. No, listen, it's not about a pass or fail. It's about you leaning into God and learning what he wants to show you. It's about when you're in a test. It's about sitting and going, God, what are you revealing to me in this moment? Philip answered him. It would, uh, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy. Someone say, a boy. With five small barley loaves and two small. Man, like they even put the point of saying small in there, right? Like it wasn't like, it wasn't like some like good fish. I don't even know what good fish is, but it was like a sunfish. I don't, I don't go fishing, but it wasn't big. And he didn't even lie about it. 
But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets. Someone say 12. With pieces of fish, with the pieces of fish and barley that were left over from what had not been eaten. After people saw the signs Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come and save the world. God, I pray right now that you would use the words I share to stir up a hunger, to be used by you to make a real difference in the lives of our communities, to be used by you, God, in an act of generosity, to see your revival take place. God, it's no mistake that, it, that, it, that this far into the revival series, we're talking about generosity, because God, we've asked you to revive our hearts. We've asked you to revive our outreaches. We've asked you to revive in mighty ways, but God, now would you revive our generosity so that you can use us to bring your glory to this world. In your name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever paused for a moment and wondered why God requires or asks generosity of you? Like, I don't know about you, but it just seems weird to me that God, the creator of heavens and earth, he can do anything he wants. He has all authority, all power. He, he can create nothing, something out of nothing, right? Like, like, there was nothing in this world, and God just spoke it into existence, right? Think about how powerful that is. Why in the world does he want to use us? Right? It just doesn't make sense. Like, like, if I was God, I would have changed a few things already. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I was God, there would be no mosquitoes whatsoever. Like, there's just no point for those animals whatsoever. We're going to have a discussion when I meet him later. But, hopefully a lot later. But, but the concept, the concept that God, the creator of heaven and earth, who has all authority, just by the power of his words, can speak something into existence turns and says, I'm in need right now. Wow. Turns and says, let's feed some people, let's take care of some needs, and what do you have to make it happen? That blows my mind. It blows my mind that God in his glory, God in his infinite wisdom, says he wants to use you and you and you and you and you to actually make a difference in your workplace, to make a difference in your community. He actually wants to use you. God could write across the, the, the sky a 10-serve city. And man, would that go nuts. What is serve city? God, God could, could, could do so many amazing things. God could have in this moment, 5,000 people said, you know what we need right now? We need the cake. We need the cake to show up and just start cooking some serious steaks for everybody. And out of heaven would call these flame-broiled steaks 10 ounces each because no one wants to eat the little tiny 8-ounce. That's a waste. You gotta, if you're going to spend money, you got to spend it right, right? So, so he could do that with no problem. But he says, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have? The crazy thing is, is God wants to use you. Let me say that again. The crazy thing is, God wants to use you. 
It's not his desire that he just makes it happen. God actually wants to use you in the process. And there's three reasons that I came up with for that. And the first one is this. Giving to God, and you actually said it earlier. I was like, oh, man, he's going to steal my whole message. Then we'll just do more worship. It'll be fine. Giving to God is an acknowledgement that God is the giver of everything that we have. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting of shadows. Everything you and I have, everything you and I have is because God has blessed it. Now listen, I know how that works. I know when I say that in my community, people get offended. Like, man, I went to school. I got an education. I paid for university. I worked hard. I got a job. And and I'm a self-made man. I've hustled my way to get to where I am today. Can I tell you, friends, lots of people have hustled just as hard, but they're not where you're at. Do you hear what I'm saying? Lots of people hustle. Lots of people work hard. Lots of people got education, but they are not sitting where you're sitting, whether you have a lot or a little. God has blessed you with what you've had. He's put you in the opportunities. He's put you in. He's put you before some kings. He's put you before some people. God has blessed us with everything that we have. I do not have the church I have because I'm a good preacher. I do not have the church I have because I'm a good leader. I have the church I have because God's blessing is upon it. I hate speaking at leadership stuff. I'm like, I don't know. Just pray and see what God does. I don't have the kids I have because I'm a good parent. Oh, boy. I have what I have because God's hand has been upon it. There is nothing that I have that is of my own strength. It's God's doing. Secondly, generosity reflects our trust that God will provide for us. It's our way of refusing to let possessions have control of us. Listen, y'all, it's not bad to have nice things. You just need to understand. I want you to be rich, like really, really rich, and then I want you to remember my email and call me or send me. Like, God wants, like, it's not bad to have nice things. It's just bad when nice things have you. Right? And when we operate in generosity, it reminds us. It reminds us this isn't even mine. God has loaned it to me, and I can loan it back to him. Right? I have a friend who went through a horrible scenario. He's a firefighter, and I love firefighters. and worked with our fire department in our, in our city as the chaplain for many years. And he gets a call while he's on the truck one day. And he's responding to a motorcycle dirt bike accident to where his son rides dirt bikes. And he's in the truck and he's praying, saying, God, don't let that be my son. He gets to the place and his son had done a jump and came down and when he landed, he hit his throat on the handlebars and his throat collapsed. And my friend was a first responder to his son's accident. And he got to hold him for a couple moments before he passed and went to be with Jesus. And I saw my friend walk through this journey and through this pain of losing his son. 
And we are now several years, a decade past that scenario happening. He has never walked away from his faith. And I, I sat down with him and his wife and said, you just, you got to walk me through it because that seems really difficult to process. That, that seems really, so many people would have given up on God. Some people would have blamed God. Some people would have done. I said, how did you stay faithful? How did you see God's hand? And he said, Jeff, this is going to sound so silly. He said, but this is what I've noticed. When I was young in church and young in my Christian, I gave and I saw how God met every miracle, every need that I had. He met every single need I had. And he said, if he can meet those needs, something as simple as financial, he can meet me in my emotional health. He can meet me in my spiritual health. He can meet me in my physical health. See, every single time you get a paycheck, you have an opportunity to have your faith tested. You have an opportunity to build your momentum in God. Every single time you get some money, you can go, I'm going to trust myself. I'm going to trust the bank. I'm going to trust what I have. I'm going to trust my skill sets. I'm going to trust. Or I'm going to put my faith in God and see how he moves and how he does and how he can make me live off my 90% and trust him with that and watch what God does. And as God builds that faith, it gives us a stamina to withstand when the attacks of the enemy come, we go, no, 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 no. I've seen God move in the past with my finances. I saw God pay my rent. I saw God drop off some groceries randomly. I saw God set up some miracles. And if God cares about some little thing called money, he sure as well cares about my physical health. He sure as well cares about the next generation. He cares about my kids and my grandkids. He cares more about that than he does some finances. So I'm going to hold on in faith that's been built up like a muscle. I'm going to hold on. Because if it happened before, it can happen again. But you gotta have that happen before. Catch me? You can hold on every single time you get that paycheck. Man, I just don't see how. No, no, no. But listen, y'all, when you give in faith, God exercises that muscle. When we were doing fireworks stuff, there was this, this concept that we had to learn routines over and over and over and over and over again. Why? Because it's called muscle memory. So that, so that when you hit the crisis and the fire is happening and, and it's chaos is all around you, your mental capacity doesn't necessarily have the stability to push through it. But the muscle memory, memory kicks in and you go through the actions and get it done. Friends, that's what it's like when we give. You just see faith. You see faith. You see faith. And when the attack comes, you've got the muscle, muscle memory to hold steadfast to the Lord. This is just my intro. I'm not even in the points yet. The third thing was this, why God asked us to give? Because generosity is a reflection of our gratitude. Come on, how many of y'all have moved and begged your cousin or your uncle or your friend to help you move, right? You ran through the U-Haul or you threw in the back of a car. And they, they had to come carry that ugly couch that you've been dragging around. They had to come carry that thing that weighs 200 pounds because it has a sleeper in it and two mice. You know what I'm talking about? Right? And after you do the whole move and they've like got broken backs and everything else, what do you do? You buy them a pizza. Why? Because you're grateful for what they did. Because pizza somehow is the international love language of like, thank you. Right? Right? Why are you buying the pizza? Why are you dropping $20 a pizza hut? Why? Because you're thankful for what they did and it doesn't feel like an expense because they saved you so much other finances and trouble. Anyone else in this room thankful for what Jesus has done for your life? 
Come on, I mean really. Anyone else in this room thankful for what Jesus has done in your life? Because I'll tell you this, I don't deserve who I am. I'll tell you this, if God didn't step in when I was 17 years old, I would be in a ditch somewhere, drunk up on God, on drugs, and messed up and not have what I have. I am grateful that God saw me as a 17-year-old little punk and stepped into my life and rescued me out of that trouble. I'm grateful. I don't know about you, but when I give, and I, I used to write checks, those were these funny little paper things, right? But, but I used to write those. Now I text and I sit with my kids, and, and when they're like, man, Dad, why do you do that? Why do you give that much to the church? I'm like, man, because here's why. Here's what God did when I was 17 years old, and I was messed up, and I had a grade 9 education, and I was in and out of trouble and suspended from schools over and over and over, expelled from one school, all of this crazy stuff. God stepped into my existence, and he rescued me from that. He turned my life around. He put me on a path of righteousness. He changed who I was. He healed my anger. He set me free from addiction, and he established my steps. And because of that, I will give him everything. I will give him everything. In the scripture it says, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. It's crazy that God didn't go and find the richest leader in the room. Right? Because we kind of take that mentality. Well, bro, like, have you seen that guy? You seen the car he drives? You see, you see the business he runs? See what, God, use him. I'm just barely surviving over here. I, I, I can't even make rent, and he's got two mansions. Just use him. But God says, no, 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 it's not about that. It's not about that. He goes and uses a boy who had five small loaves and two small fish. He says, I'm going to use that to feed the multitudes. So one, what hit me is how crazy is that that God wants to use you and I. So there's no excuses of like, well, I don't make enough. I can't be generous. Because no, 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 it doesn't matter. The other thing that makes sense is like there's no physical way five pieces of bread and two fish are actually going to make a difference. But God can take our insignificant and make it significant. It's mind-blowing when we think about this. Can I tell you? When my wife and I first started ministry as youth pastors, we were making $12,000 a year, married, paying rent, and car insurance, and all that stuff. $12,000 a year. Right? No money. No money whatsoever. So when it came to this idea of giving, like, like, are you crazy, God? God, have you thought this through? The senior pastor, he's rich. He's got all the money. Make him give on my behalf. He's paying me nothing anyways, right? God, I, I'm not making enough money. My, my tithe, my giving is, 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 is my work and my volunteer hour because I'm giving because I should be making a lot more than $12,000 a year. God, when I, when I do the budget, how many hate budgets? Come on, I hate those things. Doing the budget, I'm like, um, I'm already short, and you want me to give? How? And I'm not saying like I'm short because I want to go to Mickey D's and, and pick up some. I'm short because I can't even know if I'm going to make rent this month. How many know God is in the weird? His ways don't line up with our ways. You want to be used by God? 
Here's the thing, man. I dare you to step out in whatever God's asking you that just doesn't make sense. Even if it goes against all your education, even if it goes against everything you've ever understood of how it's supposed to happen, even when it doesn't, you know, look at it, there's no physical way. That's how God moves. It doesn't make sense that Surf City in the middle of a pandemic is seeing growth exponential and you're seeing thousands of people hurrying about your church and finding out about Jesus in the middle of a pandemic when the enemy thinks he's winning because he's shut down some church. But it's when it's impossible that we see the glory of God move. It's when it's impossible that God goes, see, I told you I had you. You thought it was you, right? You thought you could build a big church, right? You're a good leader. You, you, th- you thought you could build your business. You're a good leader. Because no, 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 no. I want to make it so impossible that it has nothing to do with what you did. It's all about what I did. And it's about your faithfulness to see. Sometimes I'm just convinced that people don't see great things because they're not trusting God with the crazy stuff. We were youth pastoring in Branton, and God called us to go and serve in the dirty south in Atlanta, Georgia. At that point, we were renting or leasing a car. And so we had gone through all the stuff. We packed up our house. We spent, like, how many of you know when you move, it's expensive. When you move internationally, it's, like, ridiculously expensive. So we have, like, just emptying everything, trying to just make this move physically, financially happen. I call up our, our company that I'm leasing my car from. And I say, hey, just want to let you know we're moving. Here's our new address. And they're like, thank you so much for letting us know. Uh, You legally can't take a lease into America, so you have to give us back the car and break your lease. And to do that, we're going to charge you $4,000 to give the car back. I'm like, "Uh, I don't think that's how that works, right? I'm supposed to get something. I'm like, no, no, you're breaking your lease. It's $4,000. So my wife and I had $5,000 left in our savings. It's like, Okay. I said, well, here's what we'll do. We'll pay that off. We'll go to the States, and we will get a new lease and put $1,000 down, and we'll start again. No big deal. At this point, my wife and I had our first son, and he was four months old. I was a brand-new dad. How many of you dads, you like, the weight of everything sits on you, right? So we go down to the south, and we go to the church, and it's all awesome. And, and I'm, like, driving the U-Haul truck everywhere because, like, until I could return it, that was my vehicle. You know, so I'm like, hey, yeah, like... <laughs> Let's go check out, right? Like, you know, it's all this stuff. We return the UL vehicle and we start the process of looking for a vehicle. Got $1,000. Get to that whole, like, awkward negotiation spot where, like, you're negotiating with the car salesperson. And they go and talk to the manager. And they're like, oh, i got to really wrestle it out with them. And you, like, keep go back there and they're having a coffee and pretending to talk. Because they already have their mind made of what they're going to sell the car for anyways. But they pretend. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So y'all looking at me like, no, I don't know. But I... Whole room is full of car salesmen. are like, dude, this guy's going down. <laughs> they come back and say, uh, did you know that we have a thing in America called residency laws and you have to live in a state for a minimum of six months before you can take out a loan? So you, you can't lease a car until you've lived here longer than six months. And I'm like, oh, no, I didn't know that, but Thanks. So I go home, and I'm stressing out, you know, as a new dad. I'm like, man, what if, like, my son chokes on something in the middle of the night, and I can't drive him to the hospital? Like, how are we going to do this? And we got to figure this out. So I do what any 24-year-old man would do in this moment. I called my mom and dad, right? I said, mom, dad, I'm broke. I got $1,000. I need to buy a car. I need to do something. My son's going to choke in the middle of the night. He's going to die, and it's all your fault. You need, to, you need to help me out, mom. You need to help me out. Dad says no. Mom says yes. You know how it goes, right? 
Mom eventually wins, and we work out this deal that they're going to lend me $4,000. So I can take my thousand, put it together, I have 5000 go buy a car. I'll drive it for a year. I'll sell the car, pay back mom and dad, and then move into a lease or, or whatever else. And as I work all this out, my parents, they, they, they send me the money, and I'm down there. I'm like, okay. And Amber and I are starting to look at cars. At our church that I was working at, we were having an evangelist. And this evangelist comes, and we know he's coming. And on the Saturday, or, or on the Friday, I'm praying about this car situation. And God says to me, not audibly, because God doesn't speak audibly to me. I wish he did. But, but it puts this impression on me. I want you to give back the money your parents gave you, and I want you to write the check for $1,000, all of your bank account. I want you to give it to the evangelist. I was like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of my entire life. I'm done praying. So Friday night, I'm like tossing and turning. Saturday, my freaking wife gets up and she says, Jeff, how many know when your wife says that, you're like, oh, oh. She said, we need to talk. I'm like, yes, we do. She said, I was praying, and I feel like God said, we're supposed to give the money back to my parents, or your parents, and we're supposed to give the $1,000 to, to the evangelist. And I rebuked her in the name of Jim. I'm like, you are a woman. You Jezebel spirit. You just get out of her right now. I didn't do that. I'm still married. That's how you know I didn't do that. I was sick to my stomach. I call my mom and dad. I'm like, hey, I'm going to send you back the money. They're like, oh, wow. You I'm like, no. I'm actually going to do something even stupider. I'm going to give all my money away. And my mom's crying. My dad's like, now, son, let me talk to you about, about wisdom here. <laughs> let me talk to you about financial stability. You are a man of the house. You have to take care. And I'm like, yeah, I know, dad. I know, I know, I know. And I go, okay. Church comes. And, and the evangelist is there, and he's preaching this awesome message, and I'm sick to my stomach, and I'm sweating. I threw up twice before church. Church happened, and y'all listen to me. I didn't give him the $1,000. I was too scared. I got home. The entire church was my wife. She's just looking at me. You know, you know what I'm talking about, that look, right? She's looking at me. We get home, and she's like, puts the kids to bed, puts, puts Tyler to bed, and he's like, what is wrong with you? So I'm all, you know, we go through it. We had church still at night. And this was back when church happened at morning and at night. And so we, we went back to church at night. And, and for whatever reason, the evangelist was there. Now, y'all know, like, when you travel and speak, you've got you to take every gig you get. So you don't hang out at a church for, for an extra service because you, you just you need to take that next speaking gig. So this guy was there. And I'm like, what is he doing here? What is what is going on? So our church, this was like back in high church where like all the pastors sat on the stage. You remember those days? Maybe you're all more blessed than I, but we all, we all sat on the stage in the big leather chairs and we're like all, you know, you're trying hard not to fall asleep while the pastor's preaching because you're on. The, but anyways, so, so in the middle of, of worship, our pastor's like, okay, here's what, everyone just go out and just go shake hands. And so all of us holy righteous ones would come off the platform to the common folk. It was so stupid. Sorry. Um, but we'd come off and so I walk in that moment. I hope I'm not stepping on some toes. It's all right. But I'm never speaking here again. It's great. So I come off the platform. I make a beeline to this evangelist. I'm like, hey, dude, God told me I'm supposed to give you this $1,000. He goes, he goes, no, man, I can't take that. You just started here. I'm like, no, no, God told me I'm supposed to. He said, no, I can't take it. I said, dude, please say that one more time. Because if, if, you, if you say three times, I'm set free, right? 
He goes, okay. And he takes $1,000. I look at my wife across the auditorium, and I walk back up to the Holy of Holies. And I sit down in the chair, and I'm shaking, and I'm crying. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have failed as a father. And my lead pastor sits back down and goes, hey, how would you like to drive to church tomorrow in a Lexus? I said, what? He says, yeah, yeah. This family felt that God laid in their heart that they're supposed to give you an Amber Alexis for church. So, so after church, I walk out to the church parking lot and I'm handed the keys to this beautiful leather Lexus. It's gorgeous. And they hand us the keys to this. But listen, 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 listen. On Monday, my pastor shows up with this big old red pickup truck that someone else placed on his heart to bless my wife and I. So we went from no cars to a Lexus and a Chevy at Silverado 1500. Now, I'm not saying that if you feel called to give me $1,000 that God's going to give you a Lexus, but we can try. Just throwing it out there. We can try. But I am saying it made no sense, and God gave me a test, not to pass or fail, but to reveal to me how good he actually is and how he can say, see, you thought you could do it in your own strength, but you can't do nothing in your own strength. You can only do it through the power of the Holy Ghost. When you operate in a spot of faith, where you go, it doesn't make sense, but I'm leaning into God. I'm leaning into his presence, and he can do the supernatural. Just doesn't make sense. The other thing that hit me was this, is our generosity writes us into the story of God. Y'all, this book isn't that big, yet it takes time to mention a boy that brings food to the hungry. Man, God wants to use you and write you into the story of somebody else's life. He wants to use you to write you the story of somebody else's generation being set free and transformed. He wants to use you to bring freedom to South Africa. He wants to use you to bring freedom to people you'll never, ever meet. But he's going to write you into his story. There are people who will be standing one day and go, man, I don't understand it, but I was able to see this because of the generosity of somebody way over there. He wants to use you. He wants to use you. He wants to use you. The other thing that hit me in this story was this, is that it says, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We didn't have enough, but after God blessed it, we had an overflow of excess, 12 baskets overflow. Cool the imagery, 12 for one tribe of, of, of God's people, of how he will be the provision for his people. Like, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Now, I don't believe in prosperity gospel, but I do believe that when you are generous, God pours out his generosity upon us. I do believe, though, that when we operate with a spirit of generosity, we will never be in need. Whether that be emotionally, physically. Can I tell you something? I don't make enough money to, to do what I do in my life. 
I don't, my cars just supernaturally last longer than other people's cars. Why? Not because God's giving me money, because God just supernaturally touches my car because I operate under the blessing of the tithe. I operate under the blessing of generosity. My, my house doesn't fall apart, even though we've all been living in it for 18 months, nonstop, but never leaving the stinking house, but it hasn't fallen apart. Why? Because God's blessing is upon it. His anointing is, he just keeps super, some of y'all have a car like what I'm talking about, don't you? Right? Where is it? it just don't make sense. You pray over it every morning to start, and it starts, right? Like, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. I'll tell you about a story of a girl in our church. She decides and feels that she's going to start a business. And she's like, I, I'm going to start this business. She puts everything she has into it. So instead of like, you know, like how you're supposed to have a business budget and then a personal budget, she's like, it's just one budget. And she decides that because of that, she's just going to give 10% of whatever comes in. She says, Pastor, I, I wasn't saying I'm going to pay my bills and, and pay my employees and give 10%. I'm going to take every dollar that comes into this business and I'm going to give 10% of it to Jesus. And she says, Pastor, when we started, I was pulling in grand total money into the business, $300 a month. She said, we had nothing. She said, I wrote that tithe check of $30 in fear and trembling. Going, I don't know if this is going to work. This is everything, my whole, everything I have, I've invested into this business. She called me up. This would be now probably five months ago. She says, Pastor, in 15 months, as we've been faithful, God took my business from $300 a month to $3,000 a week. And she's writing that $300 check a week to the church going, you can't outgive God. He's just going to move. When he sees that we're faithful, he wants to write us into his story. He wants to use us. He doesn't want to give her $3,000 a week so that she can just be rich and drive a Lexus. He wants to use her because she's proven that she will sow into the kingdom of God. She'll reach people who've never been reached. She'll make a difference where people say, ah, it can't be done. She's just trusting God in the miraculous time and time and time again. And the last point I said, and we're done, is said this. Our generosity will point people to Jesus. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Let's stand all across this place. Friends, it's, it's, it's so easy in today's culture to be a hoarder. It's so easy today to, to protect, right? Man, that this, is, this has been a volatile time. Some have gotten really rich, but most of us are just surviving, right? It's a hard season. It's so easy to get into this model of I'm going to protect. It's us four and no more. I'm going I'm to make sure my family's health. We're going we're to sit in our house. We're going to sit in isolation. We're going we're to do everything we can to, to be safe. And I'm not against that. But it's just built this, this idea inside so many of us that we just hoard and protect and keep to ourselves. So generosity in today's culture is countercultural, And people don't know what to do with it. Man, inflation's going through the roof. Why? Because people are spending like they've never spent before to buy stuff and accumulate stuff that they never really wanted before, but now they need it. 
I'm not against that. It's not wrong to have nice stuff. It's just wrong when it owns you. But, but, but there's this whole culture, this mindset that is being birthed, but it's about me. And so when you operate in generosity, people go, I don't get it. What are you doing? So when our church comes along, the broken and the hurting, and we're serving and we're, we're taking care of needs and we're doing stuff. And we do a lot of stuff with secular organizations. That means organizations that aren't inside the church. So we work with all these organizations that aren't inside the church. And they're secular. There's no basis of faith. And we're coming and we're working on the, the grossness and the dirtiness and, and the messiness of life. And, and they turn and they're like, hey, why are you doing this? Why are you being generous? Everyone else has forgotten about me. Everyone else has ignored me. We're able to say we're doing this because God sees you as valuable. That he sent me into this mess to remind you that you matter. Your generosity makes a difference. It inspires people to change. It points them to Jesus. And here's what's cool. One person finds Jesus. It doesn't just change his life, but it changes his marriage. It changes her marriage. It changes the trajectory that that family was on. It changes their kids and their grandkids and generations to come. So when we're generous and we're written into the story of God and we give him our little that doesn't make sense and God takes it and blesses it, it doesn't just affect our lives today, but it affects generations to come of people who are inspired to see that Jesus is real. And so today, I have screamed, I've yelled, and I'm wearing a jacket and sweating so bad to bring us to this spot. Would you choose to be audaciously generous for Jesus so that other lives can be impacted by the power of the gospel? So Father God, I ask in your mighty name right now that you would stir up audacious generosity God, not so that we can get, not so that we can get big toys, not so that we can receive more, but God, so that we can be used by you, written into the story of bringing freedom to generations of people. God, that we can be used by you, that your name will be lifted high. Now, God, as we do that, you will meet us. As we do that, God, you will bless us. But God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, would you start to put some scary, audacious generosity into our lives? And God, will we walk in faith? Amen.